Hello, everybody. My name is Mike Irons, and I am here with the inimitable Patrick Scartelli for the post-Miami Christmas edition of Entitled Town. It's impossible right now to not have holidays on the mind, uh, particularly family and friends um, that you, maybe you've lost touch with. Scartzi, first of all, how are you? And does that make sense? It does make sense. This is a uh... It's a very, very unusual year, but uh, having the touchstone of the holidays to try and, you know, reconnect with friends and family is a, uh, is a useful thing to have, I think. Oh, I, I couldn't agree more. And in the spirit of the season, and a title town isn't just a city, it's a family, I have asked my brother John to join us. He and I disagree on a fundamental issue, an issue that's a core belief of mine. And the difference, to be honest, has damaged our relationship. But in this year, of all years, I thought it was time to reach out and, frankly, just forgive him. John, welcome to the show. Jesus Christ, Mike. For the last time, the Patriots don't win the 2001 AFC Championship game without Bledsoe. You son of a bitch. Warning. The hosts of this program are not broadcast professionals. They have no idea what they are doing. They are bad at this. One of them uses swear words. A lot. All complaints about this show are correct. You have been warned. This is your last chance to download a real podcast. Okay. You asked for it. Here are Iron Mike Irons and Patrick Scartelli. This is Entitled Town. <laughs> Al is off for the holidays, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of Entitled Town. Um, that is our fill-in announcer, Dove Kleeman of NFL Scoops fame. Dove, thank you very much for introducing us. Um, as you just heard, Scartsy is here. Uh, my brother John is here, but um, Mr. Scartelli. Hi, almost lifelike. Um, <laughs> let's get to the let's get to the uh, Dolphins twenty-two, Patriots twelve. Scartsy, uh, what'd you think? Oh boy, there were some, there were some flashes of competence that I saw there, which was nice, and you know, yay again for the special teams, and the defense for being on the field for sixty-five minutes did pretty good. Yeah, I thought that you know the the Dolphins aren't a big play team; they kind of want to do death by by a thousand paper cuts. And, and unfortunately the Patriots uh, want to prevent the big play. John, um, what were your observations? Not only about, I mean, obviously the defense struggled to stop anything, but everyone's heard Scartsy and I opine about the, the, the quarterback, the player, as it were. Um, you've listened to me rant and rave enough. What'd you think of the game? what do you think of the quarterback play? Yeah, I mean, the quarterback play, I've, I've heard y'all talk about it for, for weeks now. It's always surprising to me to see a Patriots defense get gashed uh, in the ground game. You know, they're, they're usually very, very solid up front. Uh, they just they couldn't stop the Miami rushing attack. And, and they did a nice job containing uh, Tua, who I think is a talented young player. I think he's going to be a good player for them. thought they did a nice job kind of, you know, holding the edge, you know, it, I disagree. I don't think they held the edge very well at all. The Miami moved the ball at will. I think, again, complimentary football, right? 
the offense couldn't stay on the field to give the defense a blow. But I think the defense, John, I think it's, I think it's fatally flawed. Bo Allen never got healthy. The opt-outs hurt. Um, it was just, it's really frustrating to watch a team that can't get off the field. Well, I, I don't disagree with that. The, up the middle is what surprises me, I think. It's just it's, – it's jarring to see the Patriots defense get gashed up the middle like that. Um, you know, I didn't – for example, if they're doing a bad job on the edge, you might think, you know, Tua's getting some big runs on his own. It was their tailbacks just going right up the middle. Yeah, particularly in the second half. It was – I mean, it was warm in Miami. It was in the – I believe it was in the 80s at kickoff, Scartsy. Um, mm-hmm. They're just light on defense. It's, and again, maybe that's a, a product of the, the environment we're living in in this year. But it, just the, the entire package is just, again, remote. It made me want to throw the damn remote. I think that's also what gave him trouble with, you know, big pass-catching tight ends like Miami had. Yeah, they didn't throw a lot to the outside. Miami was really – they were really banged up on the outside um, of the wide receiver position. And they – two, I guess, wants to throw between the numbers. Um, I mean, it's the Buffalo's winning the division. Uh, Miami looks like they're going to make the playoffs. Um, I think everything that happened after the game was very predictable. Scarzi, you sent to me, um, the Globe had a, the end is here headline. Excuse me, the end is here headline. And the, the entire ethos of the Globe, as I say ad nauseum, is kind of reveling in that. Well, they don't view the Patriots as another team in town. They view them as a rival. It's uh, and that that comes out in everything that they write on that sports page. And it's and, not you know, just in other parts of the paper too. But that's neither here nor there right now. Well, they're not covering the what's going on in the Iroquois. That's for damn sure. Um, John, what's how much? How much? I sent to you some stuff. Once a, you can take the media out of the globe, but you can't take the globe out of the media. Chris Gasper has been on an epic tear the past several days tweeting regarding the Patriots. I mean, you want to talk about master of the obvious. I mean, he's – anyway, you you guys have read the Gasper tweets. John, um, what's Smarm Level 10? What do you think? Yeah, they've all got their shtick. And, you know, obviously Gasper's trying to carve out his niche just like all these other guys. You know, to the Globe piece – They've been writing that piece for how many years now? You know, the end is here. How many years have they been writing that piece? It might have some credibility if they haven't written that piece, you know, a dozen times in the last 15 years. They, and it doesn't matter been... whether it was doesn't matter whether it was Borges in 2001, Nick Cafardo after that, Nora Princiati. And uh, Jim McBride really is the only decent one that's been there. I, I mean, I'm missing the obvious one. My, my The execrable Greg Bedard, who's now thankfully – putting his tripe behind a paywall to keep us from having, keeping his pollution behind a paywall. Um, the Gasper stuff is absolutely maddening. It's maddening. He actually tweeted, um, this was on Monday, the day after the game. And Stefan Gilmore, as everybody knows, he hurt his quad in the game and he was placed on injured reserve today. We're recording on Wednesday night. So he's done for the season with the Patriots not making the playoffs. Prior to the season, Bill Belichick gave Gilmore a raise after being named Defensive Player of the Year. His contract was a bargain. After everyone told us three years ago that he was mumbling and he was going to be a liability and he was the proverbial bust, Bill Belichick gave him a raise prior to the season. 
Chris Gasper tweeted this on December 20th. This is about Gilmore leaving the field. Quote, he should have gone full Earl Thomas coming off the field. End quote. Earl Thomas, you remember, blew out his leg in yeah. Dallas and flipped off Pete Carroll as he was getting carted off. John, I mean, am I wrong to be, outra- to be enraged by that? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's outrageous, but it's just hard to get outraged at, at these guys. They're all kind of chasing the same meat wagon, and they're all trying to stir up anger and outrage. I mean, this is, you know, to the earlier point, the, the Globe piece has been written ad nauseum for years. At some point, we all knew, everybody who enjoys this team has enjoyed this run, has respected this run and what they've been able to accomplish, everybody knew that piece would eventually be right. And whether it's right now, whether it's, it's right for several years, I mean, who knows? I'm going to enjoy the heck out of watching these guys try to rebuild this. But, you know, th- these guys are having their, their proverbial victory lap, Mike. And After you know, wish-casting for 20 on. years. They're wish-casting, wish- right? Exactly. They've been wish-casting for 20 years. They, they finally get the chance to poke at the bear. Belichick is, you know, the greatest coach of all time. He is, is just virtually untouchable in the eyes of most fans who kind of appreciate what's happening here. And they get to take a few pokes at him. And I, I guess I took, I'm trying not to get too worked up over it because these guys have had, you know, the football pulled away from them for 20 years. And maybe now they finally get to kick it. And we've seen how they kick the football, right? That, that, that video is available on Twitter if you want to see how these guys kick the football. <laughs> That's very true. Scartsy, the Gasper thing, um, supercilious, addle-minded. I'm going to get my thesaurus out to do some other stuff. Um, as someone who's infinitely more grounded than I am and, and less, phone to, to, less prone to fits of rage, please put this in perspective for me. Help me out here. Uh, it's, it's just totally obnoxious is what it comes down to. It's, it's part of the old saying. I think it was originally written about baseball. And as I say, it always comes back to baseball. But sports writers aren't writing to the fans. They're writing for other sports writers. And, 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 this, and this shows He's, you know, showing off to his Globy buddies, even though he's now, uh, you know, the, I don't know, second guy off the bench behind uh, the Castiglione kid on at uh, Channel 5 in Boston. Think about his, this career arc, right? He was a columnist, quote-unquote columnist at the Globe. He's now, uh, basically, he's, he's coming on before the infomercials at 11.35 on Sunday night at Channel 5. Uh, what's the next step? It's, it's got to be uh, community access TV or either that or a fill-in shifts at WEEI. It's, it's a little bit embarrassing for this. Uh, he's, the, the way he's full of himself and it's the flowery fake language that he uses that he doesn't completely understand. It's, it's, it's really, he is emblematic. He's perfume. He's, uh, perfume on a pig is, is what that guy is. He's the same BS over and over again is this shrouded in, fl- in flowery language. It's just, he's almost not worth our time. But I always say it, uh, it's an eminence front. It's a put on. <laughs> and I know, and I know for a fact that that was not Shakespeare, Scartsy. Um, <laughs> speaking right. of, speaking of flailing media, looking for attention, there's a failed actor that's been on WEEI. Um, taking his Teddy 20s for the fill-in shifts during the, the holiday respite for their just unbelievably successful regular full-time staff. So the execrable Gary Tangway 
has been, you know, takes for hire. Uh, Scotty Tangway, help me. Oh, there's, there's, it's, 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 it's such an obvious act, you know, which you never want to see from a uh, alleged actor. This, this business of that, uh, What's the, what's the latest bit of nonsense for him? I I, didn't, I thought we weren't going to talk about it, but I understand why we are. Now, you he, know, shouldn't get, he shouldn't he shouldn't get the attention, but we're here. We've got to fill airspace too, so we're in a similar position. But this business said, "What Bill has checked out is that is that his latest?" Uh, Bill has latest, checked out as the GM. This is this is wildly entertaining bit of nonsense. Yeah, that's wildly entertaining coming from somebody who a has been fired from more jobs in the last 15 minutes than Bill Belichick has been in 25 years, and B, uses worse shoe polish hair dye than Lou Marloni. The Marloni thing is, um, Marloni, and I made, I made this point on Twitter, Maloney asked a question of Bill Belichick. The same thing's been happening over and over and over and over about them asking when is Cam going to be benched, and I would like to say, right now, please. But... Futility Lou asked uh, Bill Belichick in about four different ways if Newton was going to be benched. And it led to 15 seconds of dead air, which I would, which as I posited was the best 15, was the best segment of the year on the Ordway, Maloney and Fourier show. Um, Juxtapose that. And then Maloney, they, WEI actually posted that as a pinned tweet on the OMF account as a promotion. Their host asking a question that didn't elicit an answer was promoted on their account. Put that into, juxtapose that with Mike Reese. Mike Reese asking respectfully of the coach. He asked him if, uh, if he was going to stick with Cam Newton this morning. They went back and forth for a little bit. Dan Shaughnessy, Cleveland Marriott Ports leader of all time, Dan Shaughnessy that is, tweeted after Reese, Reese tweeted about asking Belichick, and he's tweeted that Reese is the best. True. Bill is just being stupid now. Scarty, does Shank even deserve our ire at this point? It, it's, it is mediacy by numbers. It's, yeah, it's as, as predictable as a, uh, as a Josh McDaniels run on a third and long kind of thing. Oh. If they throw another pass with it behind the line of scrimmage on, on third and 10, I, I, again, I'll, I'm out of TiVo remotes at this point. John, do you even want to, I mean, John, you've been listening to me for years, scream about Shank back when we were, you know, riding the subway into Boston, going to school together. Uh, Shank, same as it, same then, same now, just the, the light has been shined on them. Uh, that's one good thing about social media. You know, I want to hit on, I want to go back to Reese and, and juxtapose that with Merloni. And I want to hit on a couple things that you all have talked about in the past. Number one, Merloni is a guy who we should celebrate. Like I think about if you're a youth sports coach, you know, you look at a guy like Merloni, got the maximum out of his talent, became a pro. You'd think that that would be something. And I think, you know, you and Dave Scarza, you've talked about this in the past. Why he plays this role, I don't get it because it's completely anathema to everything that like helped him be successful professionally. I, I don't understand it. So you have his behavior, you know, on the radio and getting all bent out of shape that, that Belichick was condescending to him as he deserved to be. And then you juxtapose that with Reese, who is a consummate professional and, and 
you know, what I notice is, and you follow this stuff much more closely than I do, but I notice the engagement that Reese gets and the way he responds to people who communicate with him on genuinely like and respectfully, genuinely and respect. I mean, he refers to people by their Twitter handles. Like he is such a gentleman. <laughs> it is so like, it is so old fashioned and like, wonderful like it's so different and i see the engagement and you see the access he gets and you see like the way people who matter you know treat him you assume that that's that he gets treated well because he's a consummate professional and it's just it couldn't have been more obvious the reese stuff you know the exact same questions that merloni posed right the way belichick handled it versus the way he handled it with merloni and then the, the engagement that reese gets on social media versus the radio guys like they're they don't get any engagement in social media and, and you know I, I hate to even talk about engagement like that's some sort of metric but we all know these guys get paid by the click right so like their their shtick is weak and it's not working and oh by it's the a way the ratings, the, shtick the, ratings, is a the ratings would show this right the ratings just came out and the ratings you know country eei is is coming to a, a dial near you right yeehaw you know, so, I mean, it's not working. The same tired shtick. You refer to him as dime store felgers all the time. And, you know, it is. It, that's what it is. It's obvious to everybody. Scartsy, uh, clearly Bill is, uh, Bill, we're not friends. Uh, Coach Bill is treating Maloney with the contempt he deserves. Agree? Oh, it, it's well earned. This, uh, the, the faux tough guy on the radio act is, uh, it, it's, a, it's a bad fit. It's, 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 there's, there's nothing original about it. There's nothing entertaining about it. I mean, if you want to listen to, to scripted faux outrage, you know, go to the leaders, go to 98.5, go to, go to Felger and uh, all the, the mini Felgers, all the Felgerites and wannabe Felgers. Why Felger would you youth. go to <laughs> Felger youth? Unfortunately, that's very true. By the way, fade the bankroll boys this week. They're on an they're on unbelievably on an epic run of really tough losses. Um, <laughs> we've been just overwhelmed. For those of us who consume uh, Boston sports media, um, I mean, the, John, you made point of this about they've had these pieces, you know, warming up in the bullpen for longer than t it took for Tim Wakefield to pass Roger Clemens as the all-time winningest Red Sox starting pitcher. <laughs> but the changing of the guard atop the AFC East emails, Buffalo and Josh Allen are the latest shiny things. Scarzi, is the guard changing? I remember when the, uh, when the AFC East ran through Miami with Coach Shades there. The Tony Sperano. The, the division <laughs> runs through Miami! Oh. <laughs> uh. You know, God rest his soul. I don't believe he's with us anymore. Yeah, we call that, if, if we worked on a road crew, we'd call that, you know, just put up a detour sign. It was uh, the, the under construction detour. Uh, God, Tony Sperano. There was a name I didn't <laughs> think we'd be talking about today. But, you know, it's, it's in keeping there with the, the shiny objects and the, you know, this time for sure that uh, someone will knock uh, the Patriots off their AFC East perch. John, the it's Bills a, are good. What do you what do you think? Is there a changing of the guard? I, I think the Bills are on a the typical NFL sine wave, right? You know, they they've been bad for a long time. They racked up a bunch of early draft picks. They cashed in on some of those picks, hit some, you know, 
Allen was a good pick, right? A lot of people doubted it. They went with Allen. Al, everything revolves around kind of that pick. They made some good picks on their defense. Uh, but, you know, the, the bills come due in the NFL, right? Right. Uh, proverbial bad, bad pun there. But, you know, that they are probably at the peak of their sine wave. Uh, a lot of this young talent is going to be expensive quick. And we've seen, you know, for, for mere mortals, which is every other franchise except the Bill Belichick run franchise, you know, there is a window of, of opportunity here. And I think if they don't maximize their window in the next year or two, I mean, we were just talking earlier about uh, salary cap space. The Bills are in the bottom half of the league on salary cap space. They're going to have a hard time keeping that team together over the next couple of years before things get way too expensive. So and before they have to know, pay their quarterback. And, and they're going to have to pay their quarterback, which again, that's the, the kind of the gravitational pull of, of the salary cap structure, how big you go on your quarterback and how creative you can get. So the, you know, the Dolphins actually worry me more. Uh, I like I like Flores a lot. Obviously, if you're a Patriots fan, you know you have a tremendous amount of respect for Brian Flores. I think Tua's a very good young quarterback. They got you know lost uh, control for the next four years. You know, and we'll talk about this probably later. But you know, the Dolphins were getting their heads handed to them the first half of last season. And you know, if you believed in Brian Flores and what he was building in Miami, you know, I remember you and I talked about this very thing. Miami's going to be competitive. We were saying, you know, week nine last season, right when they were probably zero and eight or zero and nine at that. And point. everybody was saying before the season, John, everybody was writing the boilerplate pieces that they were tanking for two and wanted to go zero and sixteen, much the yep. way they were talking about the Jets this year. Yep, that's exactly right. And and you knew Flores was going to put a winning culture down in Miami, right? And they they've got a lot of salary cap space down there. They're they're poised to be, you know, the the Patriots will get back on their feet. Patriots got a lot of salary cap space too. Patriots get back on their feet. Buffalo's good at the moment. Miami's on the come. It's it's going to be a very competitive division. Let's go. Belichick coaching tree. He can't <laughs> be good. The Belichick coaching tree. I, I, I have tree. to look up where where was Brian the Flores. Brian Flores had to be coaching for like you know Don Shula before some somebody else gets credit for. The- he had a Marino poster on his wall in the eighties. <laughs> That's probably. <laughs> That's probably what's going there. So I, this is a point that I actually kind of wanted to make, and this is, this is hopefully not an awkward segue. You just brought up, John, you just brought up culture. Miami didn't tank last year. They played, they played to win the game, including week 17 at Foxborough when they knocked yep. the Patriots out of the first round by. So there's hello? been a uh, – hello? <laughs> so there's been a lot of um, virtual ink spilled on the intertubes about the Patriots needing to tank. And by the way, the same people who were um, bitching that the Patriots should have been tanking this year are now outraged that Coach Bill is, isn't, isn't tanking. I, I, I don't know how you put that. But the next two games matter. The next two games matter in the, in the – they're building towards something. I wouldn't want to work for an organization that wasn't trying to win. You're not going to attract talent. You're not going to bring people back. You're not just building – a culture of winning and competing. Scarzi is, does that comparison to last year's Dolphins? I mean, it's, it makes sense, doesn't it? Oh, sure. It's a, it's a, it's a reflection on both organizations is what it comes down to. It, the idea that uh, Bill would tank is, you know, asinine. Absurd. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, uh, he's going to want to see what some of the young players can do. Maybe not the one player we want to see, but I'm there's there's folks who are saying that uh, folks that we know back to the old board days that uh, right. that the 
was some sort of, you know, handshake deal that as long as Cam was healthy, he'd be the starter. And that's the, uh, the Cam yeah. thing's maddening. It's maddening, <laughs> and, and it's, it, I, you know, I've talked privately with John about. Uh, he clearly has the respect of his peers in the locker room, but I want to, let's listen enough. We've had enough. I've had enough verbal diarrhea vis-a-vis cam over the past several weeks. I think anyone who can't see what's in front of their eyes, spall pits be damned in their, their foot fake contrarianism. Um, John, the culture thing has been a, a kind of a passionate uh, thing of yours. It's like, you don't, you play to win the game. So the culture, explain how the next two games you think culture matters uh, the whole culture thing, how, how Bill deals with it. And I mean, clearly the culture has been important for 20 years. Oh yeah. I mean, I, you and I talk about this all the time. I'm a huge believer, you know, the, the kind of the business line of, you know, culture eat strategy for breakfast. Right. And, you know, my, my, my desire to write the, the Tao of Belichick, you know, book of business management. I just, I love the way he runs the organization. Everything that he gets criticized for, is is stuff that i just i just love you know his his inaccessibility with the media being kind of top of that list and the fact he doesn't give them you know much of anything so um as as pointed out with the merloni thing again yeah yeah it's it's you know it's it's a great example of it you know today's example of it if you will so the 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 idea of of belichick as as kind of establishing a culture in that locker room, sticking to the culture, not throwing players under the bus, a la Bruce Arians, for example. Right. Uh, the, you know, the, the, the fact that these two games are meaningless games. I mean, meaningless games in the media is in the same file as, you know, resting guys so they don't get hurt, right? You know, football players play football. That's what they do. That's what they want to do. That's what they, you know, have done their entire lives. They play football. They are out on the field competing, looking to win games. When you, when you don't understand those kinds of concepts, right, and you have nothing maybe in your personal life or your professional life that is any reflection whatsoever even close to that, that's when you say things like these are meaningless games, right? Yeah, that's you don't understand you competition you, and you getting better. Yeah, oh, it's, that, that, the, it's, the, it's the idiot cousin to uh, you're running up the score. Yeah. No, exactly. Exactly. Right, Scottsy. And it's exactly it's the same. It's kind of the same thing that I say all the time. It's kind of the 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 idiot tell, you know, when you use these buzz phrases, these 98.5 buzz phrases, and it's not even just 98.5. It's, you know, I'm not going to the failed actor that we just that I mentioned earlier. I'm not going to discuss that, but it just it. It really just, you don't get it. It's been right in front of your nose for 20 years and you don't get it. So they're six and eight this year. They had the, Bill had the temerity to not finish 12 and four or better this year. So I assume we're going to watch the playoffs this year. Who the, who the hell are you going to root for, Scarty, this year? There's, there's a contemptible list of teams out there. You know, John mentioned Flores and the Dolphins. I grew up despising the Dolphins. John, you know that. Um, the Dolphins were, they might as well, the Aqua and Marine might have well been pinstripes for all I know. So, Scarzi, we've got, just in the AFC, Buffalo's the division winner. Miami's going to the postseason in all likelihood. The Steelers, the Browns, the Ravens, never mind. The Colts, the Titans, the Chiefs. Um, who is the least objectionable, in your opinion? Oh, boy. I think maybe maybe you go with uh, Coach Vrabes and the uh, tights there. Maybe you go with Buffalo, but you've got that uh, you've got that idiot uh, idiot fanboy there. 
whose name escapes me. Uh, I got to tell you quickly regarding the Bills, the fact that they put a billboard facing the wrong way on Route 1 <laughs> near the stadium next to the Red Rooster. <laughs> a red, white, and blue billboard feeding a football team that plays two miles up the road. Well done, Bills Mafia. Well done. I, I, I just I can't stomach the thought of a, of a Chiefs back-to-back and all the, all the – thank God there's – if the Chiefs happen to win a back-to-back Super Bowl, I don't want to think about what would have happened in the press box if there were immediates and they're just – they would have had to – don't turn a black light on in the, in the press box if that was a kick case john there's there's not an attractive list there besides floris is there any team in that list that you could consider you know not objectionable it's awful it's it's an awful choice it i mean i'm happy to just concede that watching the afc playoffs with no patriots i mean you got the steelers oh i mean these are these are horrible teams that i can imagine rooting for i'm going to go with scartsy and go with the titans because of the Vrabel connection um, we got to burnish that Belichick coaching tree, although I don't think he gets credit. I'm not sure how this works. He doesn't get credit for Nick Saban. They're not going to give him credit I, I, for Mike Vrabel. I, I, I'm not sure who the, the Pope of the Belichick coaching tree is, who defines the, the, the legitimate branches. But I'm going to go with Vrabel. But, of course, I'm going with the NFC. And I have to say, if it is the Dolphins, and I'm with you on Dolphins hate. I mean, Dolphins hate has been in style since, you know, we were wearing Bugle Boy pants. The, the Dolphins. So right now, you mean. <laughs> the Dolphins and the Chiefs in the AFC championship game, I'm all in on the Dolphins because I cannot have uh, the, the, the Patrick Mahomes is the GOAT because of his second Super Bowl ring. I can't – I just can't deal with that. Scarzi, anyone in the NFC? I, I, I can't believe that I'm actually going to say I might be Team Poodle on this. You gotta, you've got to uh, – you know, tip your hat in respect to uh, Pete. I think he's uh, he's managed to win out there. He's uh, I, I'm starting to come around to the idea he's a good coach. Well, I'm not quite. I'm not. Wouldn't go that far there, Tony. But uh, John is Team Brady. You know, as, as much as Coach Kangal is despicable, John's been Team virgently Team Brady the whole time. John, you want to explain yourself? Oh, I'm I'm loud and proud, Team Brady. Uh, absolutely. I've been rooting for a Patriots Buccaneers Super Bowl ever since the day he left. I could never blaspheme Tom Brady. I will always be supportive of Tom Brady. Absolutely. And I'm all in with the Buccaneers and the NFC. I don't care about the, the, you know, the, the awful, because, well, fortunately not living in Boston, you don't have to endure it as bad as you do, Scarcy, being back there. But, you know, the media field day that will be had for the, you know, the Gaspers of the world, Mike, you know, to your earlier tweet reference uh if Brady were to win a Super Bowl without Belichick but I am so secure in my my faith in Belichick as the greatest of all time that no amount of Chris Gasper tweets is going to dispel that belief I've got to say uh the general you know uselessness of Twitter in general has shown me one thing it's kind of interesting to see the media from other NFL cities don't hate their team Oh, Scarzi, so, so that's a great point. John and I both live on the West Coast, and I would, and I would say this, this speaks rather ill of me. I, I want to throw up listening to the radio with the pom-poms that they have for the Seahawks around here. And uh, John's in Northern California. He gets a lot of, of Niners stuff. I mean, it's, 
it's it's at least if it's not and i've listened to a lot of knbr in san francisco and i would i would say that they're i wouldn't say a lot of them are they're not they don't have their pom-poms out for the team the way that the entire globe staff does for america's most beloved ballpark and the red sox are in everyone this free agency season by the way um <laughs> they're not antagonizing they're not pulling the creeping felturism when it comes across to it. It's, it's a, that's a really good point, Scarzi. John, um, you've been away longer from the East Coast than I have, so you've been um, in sports media detox in the, in the Boston area longer than I have. Um, looking afar, looking from afar at what goes on back home, uh, what are your thoughts? Oh, it's exactly as you said, Scarzi. It is you know, there, there's nothing, no, I don't think I've ever been in a town that loves its teams less than the, the radio guys in Boston, right? You know, Portland, Oregon, I mean, they, they, the love for the Blazers in that town, I still remember listening to a radio guy in Portland talk about how Brandon Roy was so much better than Paul Pierce. And they just believed that. And, you know, God bless them for believing that. They love their guys. And, the way the Niners radio out here talks wistfully of the eighties and you know, that, that era and how marvelous and miraculous it all was and what a gift it was to watch it. That's, that's actually framed my uh, enjoyment of the Patriots. It's, it's been tough not being able to savor it day to day as closely as, you know, the, the guys back home have, but it gives me that distance of, wow, what we're watching is really magical and other towns that have had it like San Francisco with the Niners you know, they still look back and, and, you know, view it as magical. And God forbid the Patriots have another sort of broad rust run, you know, in 20 years. You know, it'll be awful to listen to the, the radio guys now talk wistfully of that era. I'm already, you know, cringing thinking about the radio guys now, assuming they don't all go to country format, in 20 years talking wistfully about this Belichick era when they've done nothing but you know, crap all over it for two decades. Yeah, I don't want to hear, I don't want to hear spindly-armed Adam Jones ever opine positively on that. Scarzi, you are staunchly a, you, you withhold from most media. So how do you do that? How do you view, I mean, looking back over the last 20 years, how do you, what are your observations on this? I mean, go ahead. I mean, do you. Okay, it's. I I I think uh, it's something akin to how uh, the news changed when it went to the twenty-four hour, you know, news cycle sort of business here. When you got the uh, ESPNs and such out there, that there's always got to be a story, and uh, you know, no one wants a you know, it's not a story about, uh, it's not a story about the planes that land. It's the planes that crash. That's the story. And in this case, it's well the, uh, it's the teams that uh, it's when the uh, good teams lose. And there's been uh, not too much in the way of uh, not too much in the way of losing in, uh, you know, in the New England area with the teams in general and with the Patriots in particular. So right. I can sort of see how that, uh, how they, you know, accentuate the negative, but to the degree that it's gone to, it's just, it's just astonishing that, that uh, there are people who are, you know, who get excited about, uh, about the negativity. Uh, Rick Pitino <laughs> was right about one thing and one thing only in his stint in Boston. Um, 
I want to throw a couple of names at you guys um, regarding quarterbacks next year. Let's not speak about um, the bounce pass enthusiast. Uh, I got to – so, Scartsy, I, this is a little bit of a spoiler here. Mm-hmm. John is the world's biggest Sam Darnold fan that's not named Manish Mehta. He's been sending me text messages about Sam Darnold to the Patriots I'm sure the Jets would really like to deliver a, deliver a may possibly po- competent quarterback to the Patriots. So, John, defend your Sam Darnold love. Besides your yeah. love for really, really shitty Pac-12 quarterbacks, <laughs> file, who are turnover are, prone. My my uh, guilty pleasure, my annual guilty pleasure of some random person, the the Sam, my Sam Darnold. So it, it would just be so. Twenty jet. years ago it was Browning Nagel. <laughs> <laughs> a steal in the 12th round of our fantasy draft. The, 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 the Darnold thing is, it's kind of, I'm caught up a little bit in this. It's so jet. It's so jet to get the first pick, take Trevor Lawrence, right? Or maybe they'll end up with the second pick and take Zach Wilson. Right. And then you've got Sam Darnold, you've got no leverage and you've got to find a home for him. And you know, he's, he would come as a distressed asset. I'm kind of thinking Scarty, I'm going to take you back to an era that you'll remember. Well, this has Jim Pl- a Jim Plunkett vibe to me here, right? You know, Plunkett getting killed with the Patriots, you know, a team that wasn't very good when he, he was He also there. sucked in San Francisco, too. He, he, he was dealing with some other demons in San Francisco, so we'll put that aside. And then he has his rebirth with a well-run Oakland team at the time, well-coached, well-run Oakland team. Well-medicated and Oakland team. I am, I am going gonna, gonna to put my chips in, not my full stack, but I'm going to put a, a, a couple handfuls of chips in on Darnold's going to bounce back with a good organization. I'd, I'd, I'd love to see it here in New England. I think it's possible, maybe not probable, but if he were to come to New England, I would be enthusiastic. Not, not Ryan Mallett enthusiastic, Mike, but I would be enthusiastic. <laughs> Scartsy, um, well, that's, first of all, John, how dare you? Scartsy. Um, now I will say this, I will say this. I actually texted John that there was a good point made. You got Ryan Tannehill away the hell away from Adam Gase. And looks what, look what happened last year and this year. Right now he's at 31 touchdowns, five interceptions. He's got Derek Henry granted. Um, Sam Donald, does, does it make you throw up in your mouth the way it does me? He's a goofy fellow. That's uh, that's a hundred percent certain, but uh, it's it's not like Coach Belichick doesn't have a uh, pretty pretty decent track record of bringing in uh, folks that didn't quite work out somewhere else, and you know, tweaked him a little bit and got him to do what needs Test to be done in the program. Testaverde, yeah. Testaverde first and foremost, and they both can run a little bit. I want to throw another. Be, let me throw. Well, a I'm couple talking of- about linebackers and such as well, not just uh, not just the uh, QB position. Fair you know, enough. Bringing in, bringing in the Vrabes and the Ninkoviches and so forth. Roman Pfeiffer. Pfeiffer. Testaverde is a great comp, Mike. I mean, Testaverde, for those who remember, you know, Testaverde was, was way worse than Darnold in Tampa Bay. I think he threw and 35 interceptions one year with the Bucks in the late 80s. Just, just a horrible bust. Is that and, high? And, and, <laughs> I don't and know. He, Cam? Cam, he was he was very good in Cleveland. You know, you look back, and and of course Belichick. Steve Young sucked in Tampa Bay too, because again, yeah. you're talking about leadership and coaching. 
and, and, and bad organizations, right? Getting out of a bad organization. So, you know, I, I, I don't, th I think it's way too soon to write off Darnold. Um, and I'd be very, very comfortable if he came to New England. On I wouldn't. Kind of a, a mid, mid, mid pick sort of thing. He might have to get laundered through another organization because I can't see the Jets giving him straight up to the Patriots for a mid round pick, but I'm sure, I'm sure the Patriots could find a way. Let me give you a couple that are uh, kind of uh, boilerplate talking points. Scarzi, Matt Stafford, does he do anything for you? No. John? No, does, uh... <laughs> Never been that big on him. Um, Gives me a Drew Bozo the... vibe. I, yeah, I mean, a little bit, you know. Um, it would be an upgrade, no doubt about it, but uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't do a lot for me. All right, back at you, John Wentz. Yeah, I don't know. The more that's coming out on him, I, I don't know. That's a, I, I'm, if we're going to rank him here, I'm, I'm putting Darnold above Wentz. No Big doubt surprise. Big surprise. Scartsy, does Wentz uh, scratch you where you're rich? That's what she said. There's no uh, uh, pass. All right, so I want to throw a couple of names out there that I haven't seen. Um, at least yet. Jacksonville right now is in the, in the number one hole. Gardner Minshew, throw them a late round pick to bring him in. Um, again, I'm biased. The, the last thing I saw stuff, he was really good at Washington State in the spread offense. He's smaller. He's mobile. Uh, John, does he do anything for you? I know you love Washington State quarterbacks. Yeah. <laughs> I love those Pac-12 quarterbacks where they just spread it out and throw it 80 times a game. Um, yeah, I, I, I By the way, that, that framed photo of Josh Rosen behind you, the newest Niner, is a nice touch. <laughs> I, I will say this. I don't know if we're going to talk about draft at all. The, the Patriots are going to be sitting there roughly at 15, you know, 14 maybe. Uh, the, the top guys are not going to slide to them. I saw, I saw one of the alleged college They're always overdrafted, fans. right? Well, yeah, it's whether they're overdrafted or, you know, team, one team, just takes one team, right? Just takes one to fall in love. But I saw, I saw one of your favorite – Boston media personalities, Mike, uh, make a reference to Zach Wilson. You know, he's, oh, he's he said, it was something, it was something the effect of, you know, he's got the arm talent to be a first round pick. Arm, arm talent I'm, I'm makes me, I do the throw up in my mouth stuff when I hear the <laughs> phrase arm talent. But, but I'm thinking to myself, as I, as I saw that, I'm thinking two things. Number one, you obviously just watched him for the first time. Congratulations. Yes. He's only, he's only been on all season, right? And number two, he's got the arm talent to go second overall. So your, your sofa scout evaluation of him as a first round pick is pretty ballsy there. I mean, the, the big question is, is he going to go second or third ahead of or behind Justin Fields? I mean, I think that's, that's kind of the bigger question. Or, or does Fields slip a little bit and Zach Wilson is the clear number two? I don't think Zach, Zach Wilson's going later than number three. Well, I think uh, Al uh, Albert Breer, the lead agent for Justin Fields, is going to make sure he's drafted in the top five next year. Uh, Scarty, <laughs> does anybody come to mind for you, um, a veteran quarterback that might be out there? Because Lord knows I am willing to drive Cam and all his hats to the airport as soon as possible. Well, that's unexpected. <laughs> well, no, I can uh, – I'm – I'm nothing uh, if not unpredictable, all, right, Scarzi? That's right. There's, there's always Jimmy. <laughs> you know what? That's, that's actually – I'm Team 10. Bring him back. If it, I don't know why San Francisco would want to let him go other than the fact that he's 
They get tremendous savings if they cut him. He's been very, very, very brittle during his tenure there. He was brittle in New England when he got hurt in the third game. Um, when he was carving up Dolphins at Foxborough when he got hurt. Um, I'm Team Garoppolo. Scarzi, am I – I mean, I'm crazy, yes, but I, would you back Garoppolo a return for Jimmy G? I'd be happy with Jimmy G. I think, you know, a return to, uh, a return to normalcy, a return to uh, Fort Foxborough might, uh, might uh, help him out a bit. I think that's creeping Gasper, isn't there? John, uh, Jimmy G. They got a cream for that now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, for the life of me, this, this seems to be the, the, the flavor of the moment. Uh, with some of the Boston radio personalities that Jimmy G's coming back. What, what exactly, who exactly are the 49ers going to put a quarterback? Uh, Nick Mullins? I mean, I don't know if you've watched him play. They got CJ Bethard starting this week. He's That's played, turnover uh, enthusiast, Nick Mullins. And, and CJ Bethard can't beat him out, right? They, they did just sign Josh Rosen, which goes to show if you're taken, you know, in the first round as a quarterback, you've got a, a whole heck of a lot of lives to work with before you're out of the league. So, you know, do they, do they, do they cut Jimmy G? They're picking they I mean, like I said, the, the, there's a couple really good attractive prospects in this draft with Lawrence, obviously Wilson is outstanding. I guess people are just coming to realize that Justin Fields, I think is more of a project, but he's, he's supremely gifted. And then you've got Trey, people like this guy, Trey Lance out of North Dakota state um, who I, I can't say I've seen play more than once. I think it was in the one double a championship game. Well, uh, if you're a Gasper, season. you can give a, a total analysis about him. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, so I'll let the Sofa Scouts pick apart his film. But, the you know, Trey Lance would probably be the fourth guy taken. You know, maybe he's there for a team like the 49ers. Um, you know, if, you know all, like I said, all it takes is one team to get super enthusiastic. The combine, you know, puts on a show. He's on his knees at the 20-yard line and throws it 80 yards. And you got, you know, some team falling in love with that. So, you know, it, it's – the, the idea that any of those four guys are sitting there for the Patriots at 15, I think is a long shot. So that's what lends credibility. To I want, I want the, the, the Patri- Garoppolo's and the Darnold's and, and the, the Carson Wentz's of the world. The, the, I want the that's Patriots, probably the bucket to pick from. Right. I want the Patriots to draft uh, middle of the defense in the middle of the first round, but listen, I'm not, I'm not a sofa scout. I'm not a real scout. I'm an idiot who watches the games and that's it. I mean, at the end of the day, the three of us can admit that, we watch the games. We let the professionals do it. And um, it's been a great run. And I'm, I actually sit here. I mean, they're six and eight. We're in a COVID year. I am very, very comfortable with the current regime going into the off season with $60 million plus potentially in cap space, no quarterback under contract. Um, You don't have somebody making 25, 30, 35 million towards the cap next year, the yep. Brady 13 and a half million that they, they did boot forward into this year is done. They, there is a, hopefully, and I'm going to knock on wood as I say this, the world will change a little bit for the better next year. Um, they'll be able, you'll be able to conduct business more as normal. And listen, he's the best, you know, John, you made point earlier that he's the best coach ever. Yes, he is. He's also the best personnel man in the history of the game and he's the best at managing the cap. So I think that they're uniquely positioned um, to get back into contention. How how do you not have confidence in that? I mean, you know, you look at this season, it, it, by any, by any expectation, it was going to be a bit of a rebuild, right? You're losing Brady. 
you know, he's been the, the kind of the centerpiece of the franchise for 20 years. You've got those opt-outs. You've got the dead money on the cap that, that impacted your ability to bring guys in, even if you wanted to bring guys in at the, at the 11th hour. you got all these young guys playing, uh, getting a, a lot of reps. Belichick's getting a lot of kind of feel for who he's going to be able to go, you know, into 2021 with and, and have confidence in uh, that they can handle his system. I mean, it's a complex system. You don't see a lot of rookies stepping up. And they've got a lot of information on the guys who are in-house this year as well. Absolutely. That's that's exactly it. So I think, you know, he's going to have a really good feel for where this team is going into 2021. That's another reason why I think these last two games matter. Some other guys are going to get on the field. Some of the younger guys, offensive line guys that have been getting reps lately get, you know, a couple more games of reps. It's just, you know, the the league is designed – for this to happen to winning teams, you know, winning teams, it's that, that the Patriots have their signing wave has been longer than anybody in the history of the league. Right. It finally came down a bit, a little bit of a rebuild. You know, the league puts an anvil on you when you're good. Absolutely. That's what they do. Absolutely. The term is parody, right? Yep. Yeah. Not P A R O D Y. Not that sadly, that's Boston media. Uh, Scott, any thoughts? Um, on the off season or, or do we want to wait to the off season begins to open? Oh, exactly. Yeah, there's, we, we've got ourselves, there's still, there's still some, you know, there's still 120 minutes of entertainment uh, on, on deck Absolutely. for us. Absolutely. So I think we've covered um, what we talked about uh, addressing in the podcast. Let's go to our not so rapid fire segment that we've been accused by, by some of our dozens of listeners. Uh, John has some rapid fire questions for uh, Scartelli and I. So I'm going to throw it over uh, to my younger brother who has some questions for us. Are you ready, John? I am ready. And, you know, obviously I could do rapid fire with Mike and, you know, his, I'm sure his, his, uh, the podcast listeners would enjoy the heck out of some of the questions I could ask them, but they're a little too inside baseball. Yeah. yeah, Inside uh, jokes that two people would get that listen. Yeah. That's, that's really great. So I'm going to, I opened it up a little bit to make it accessible for the, for the entire team here. Uh, Scarzi, you're thinking about your, your Celtics history a little bit. The greater Celtics legend, Michael Smith or AC Earl? Oh, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of AC Earl. So I got to go with that. So was I. <laughs> so let me just tell you, AC Earl was a big star in the Philippines and visiting Manila and seeing AC Earl in the Philippine, the, the Manila newspaper, a color photo of him starring for a pro team in the Philippines. You can be sure that got sent back to Brockton, Massachusetts. Um, bubble hockey, the Russians or the U S. Oh, you always play the U S. I don't think I've ever beat John in bubble hockey and I hate him for it. <laughs> yeah, the correct answer is it doesn't matter. Cause Mike's going to lose. All right. Oh, that's, that's <laughs> Fuck right off. Jesus. <laughs> All right. Number three on the list, the better pure thrower, right? We talked arm about talent, earlier. the better arm talent, Cam Newton or Mark Wilson. Scott, to you yeah. first. Oh, I think, uh, I've done some, uh, I've done some, I've, I've, I've watched some film, you know, of Cam, you know, not in a Patriots uniform. And I'd go with him from, uh, you know, pre whatever happened to that shoulder. I think that's fiction. That, that Cam film is, 
is fiction prior to him going to Foxborough. I don't think that actually exists. I think that's Dove Kleeman-esque. It's a deep fake. I will say thank God both Mark Wilson and Cam Newton played the majority of their games on fake grass because Peter would be in Foxborough protesting over all the killed worms. I think you're all, Scarcy, you're disrespecting Mark Wilson as a raider when he was uh, fairly competent. No, he's not. Oh. No, he's not. <laughs> Mark <laughs> Wilson gonna... <laughs> started against the Patriots in the playoffs yeah. in 85. I know, the divisional game. Yep, the divisional game. He was the starter. Um, okay, so you almost bigfooted this one earlier, Mike. The better Rick Patino line, success is a choice or fellowship of the miserable? Yes. <laughs> Garcy, do success I see success is a choice. Is a choice? He choice? did not make that choice with the Celtics. I think I see that book in the in Scarty's bookcase that's sitting behind him there. I think I see oh, success oh, as a choice out there. Oh yes, right next to uh, you know Tommy's book. <laughs> I want to go back to Cam because I want to say something positive, Mike, on Cam. No, the tougher, the tougher guy, Steve Grogan or Cam Newton. How dare you? How dare you? How dare you? Once Cam gets a neck roll, get back to me. Actually, if a neck roll, if a neck roll is attached to a hat, then we might have some, we might, we might see that. But Cam's taking full responsibility. He's taking full responsibility. I do love that Roethlisberger today went the Cam route and is taking every bit of responsibility for his 11 of 40 dropping a deuce in Cincinnati on Monday night, which made me very happy, by the way. Scarts, are you going to defend Cam's toughness? Yeah, he's out there. He's, you know, running the ball. He looks like he's, you know, there's times where he looks like a, you know, six foot five, 240 pound athlete. And then there's times where he looks like he doesn't know what he's doing out there. But he's, he's he's certainly willing to take the hits if they, if he's, you know, if he's, you know, trying to, trying to get out of bounds, like the one where he was, uh, like the one where he got the helmet to helmet hit. I yeah. just have I just have one question. I would have been airlifted out of the uh, out of the uh, stadium if that had been me. So I have one question for you guys: Where's Mo Lewis when you need him? Oh, ouch! I am gonna vouch. I'm gonna give a full vouch to Cam's toughness. I have enjoyed. I've enjoyed. <laughs> his never toughness. vouch. Never vouch, John. Never vouch. I I don't enjoy his ball security, but I do enjoy his toughness. I, I will full vouch his toughness. Right, You're getting a question. cam hat for Christmas. <laughs> those, those are nice hats. I could, I think I could find a, a use for one of those. No, you um, couldn't. The, 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 well, looking at my hairline, I think I could. That's true. The, the, the final question for you, more accurate grades, pro football focus or the Harvard fencing team? It's a good question. I was thinking more, uh, no, no, that doesn't make sense. So I think I'd go with uh, I'd go with the the fencing team because how dare you disrespect standard definition TV, Scartelli? It's I I'm going I'm, I'm team PFF all the way here. Chris Collinsworth would not let me down. I'm very confident in that. So right, I want to go ahead, Mike. You no, know, no, go ahead, go ahead. I was gonna say the answer is until Chris Collinsworth goes to jail, we have to go with PFF. Oh, Fair from enough. your mouth to God's ears. <laughs> Sunday night football for the loss. Uh, I'll ask some boilerplate 
Uh, Scotty, do you have anything for John, or should I begin my boiler rapid fire session? Oh, at uh, this point, I'm just here as a formality. It's like the playing of the national anthem before a Jets game. <laughs> uh, John, which non-Malcolm Butler division uh, against the Seahawks in '49? What's the be- What's the best Patriots game of the run? Oh man, you ask this of all the guests, and every time I think I'd steal your line, I say yes. Um, I got, you know, for me, I, I go to like the soft emotional spot, like where I was at the time, or was it like, was it something beyond just watching the game? Was it something special? And I think outside of the Malcolm Butler one, which is number one with a bullet, uh, I'll go with the very first Super Bowl, the Vinatieri kick to win it. I can picture exactly where I was. I know you can too. We were not together, uh, but I know exactly where I was. I said to my wife, come out and watch this kick because you may never see it again. And, you know, that was obviously not the case, but that was the feeling at the time. That was a special. <laughs> Good call, that John. A, that was a, yeah, exactly. That was a special moment. Um, and, you know, just I'll always, that game, I mean, I can just remember that game vividly where I was sitting. Summerall and Madden, with. too. Summerall and yeah. Madden just added to it. Yeah. So oh, I, just, uh, I, I don't just think from, people would pick yeah. that. Just from Jump Street on that one, just the fact that uh, when they came out, you know, choosing to be introduced as a team, and yeah. my jaw dropped. I'm like, they're going to win this. Yeah, that's that's. I, so after the first the, after after you know the greatest show on turf Rams you know came flouncing out you know individually, and then choosing to be introduced as a team that was just a game changer. Absolutely, and they they they, they were on the uh, America's game for the 2001 season. The genesis of that was the opener in the 2001 season. The Cincinnati public address announcer screwed up. And they said, screw it, we're all going to go out together. And they wound up doing it. And it became a national thing towards the end of the year. But that was, I mean, mm. particularly Summerall saying that. Mm-hmm. And th- th- by the way, do you know how, Scarzi, how many touchdowns, how many offensive touchdowns did the 2001 Patriots score in the postseason? Let's see. There's that one, the other one. I'm... That's it. Four? Three games. Three offensive touchdowns. We call that Newtonian aspirational. (laughs) (laughs) Two games without a goddamn touchdown. Jesus Christ. What are we doing here? You know, Mike, I'm gonna I'm gonna put in honorable mention for mine. The the two AFC championship game wins over the Steelers in the in the first half of the run. Because, uh, as I know you know, I watched those games with a bunch of Steelers fans and had to like, literally leave the room after the Patriots would score touchdowns because they were just getting increasingly infuriated at, like, my, you know, the, the fact that I was the only person in that house not miserable. You know, what, you know what's actually a Steeler victory to me? A Steeler victory over New England kind of sums up the last 20 years for me. The Steelers beat the Patriots in 2018. A year that the Patriots won the Super Bowl, mind you, and the year that the Steelers did not make the playoffs. Brady threw an interception late in that game to Joe Hayden. The Steelers beat the Patriots for the first time in an eon. That photo is framed in their offices and in their Hall of Fame. (laughs) The Steelers didn't make the playoffs. The Patriots won the Super Bowl. It's not a rivalry because a hammer and nail are not rivals, and that doesn't matter. Scarzi, let me give it to you. What's, What's your favorite? Uh, win of the run I think I've asked you this before but refresh my memory oh it was the uh, 08 uh, opener against yeah, yeah. Buffalo 
Oh, that's right. The uh, the O nine back. The O nine opener. Two touchdowns for Benjamin 09, Watson exactly. in the fast in the last two minutes. Benjamin Watson and his hooves managed to hold on to those two passes. Uh, John, mm-hmm. who's your favorite non Brady player of the run? Oh man, um, gosh, the you know only because our arms look similar. I'll go with Edelman. Oh, sick humble brag, my friend. Scarcy, uh, do you have? I, I thought you would. I thought you would take you. You would kind of pick up on that joke from. Uh, not a humble brag. That is. That is. That's been an inside joke for a while. So Scarcy, yeah, Edelman. I agree. Scarcy, uh, Scarcy, who's your favorite? Uh, who's your favorite Patriot of the run? If it's Brady, non-Brady division. Well, the uh, obvious, um, you know, honorable mention is the uh, poor Sean Crable. Oh, poor Sean Crable. The sad, forlorn Sean Crable. Um, aspires one day to be Do- Josh Uche, both from Michigan, Michigan products. Yes. Um, he did get that one half a sack, though. That was, it was, it that was, was huge. magical. It was huge. Um, it's, but I'd, uh, you know, he's, a, he's got the uh, check against him for being from, uh, from being, a, being a Buckeye, but I'll go with uh, Vrabel. Oh, that's true. That's true. That's true. Just anyone who's, you know, a linebacker, a pass catching touchdown scoring linebacker is, you know, playing about lining up a tight end. All of those guys, or should I say a bunch of the guys during the run? I mean, think about Edelman played defensive back. Yeah. Troy Brown played defensive back. Vrabel played offense. Dan Klecko played offense. Um, Richard Seymour played offense and just, you know, do your job to the epitome. And we've been, you know, I say this all the time with, with John Scarzi, or we say this to each other. We've been so blessed during the last 20 years. I, I, it shouldn't anger me that there, there's a reason why this podcast is called Entitled Town. After what we've witnessed, the excellence that we've witnessed day after day, they've been in, the, they've been in it every season for 20 years, including 2002 when they lost the division on a tiebreaker uh, to the Jets and Herm Edwards that year, including 2008 when they lost the tiebreaker of the division to Miami because, the, as you said, Scarzi, the division runs through Miami. And this year is the aberration. In- oh, absolutely. I mean, we've, like you say, we're blessed. Eight consecutive AFC yeah. championship game appearances. Absurd. Absurd. So they- you can set your watch to it. It, it, it. I mean, they were, again, I, I don't know what other way to put it than that we've been ridiculously blessed. Um, and I have to say that I've been, I'm very, very grateful, Scarzi, that you were able to, uh, to once again step in tonight for, uh, for Dave. John, thank you for joining us. This was a lot of fun. Um, we have a couple, as you said, Scarzi, we have 120 more minutes minimum of football this year. I'm going to enjoy the hell out of it while my computer barks at me. Um, the email address is entitledtown at gmail.com. You know the Twitter account. It's at entitledtown. Um, Scarzi, anything else? Well, it was a pleasure to be here with the uh, Brothers Iron. And uh, if you want to, if you're so inclined, you can read me over to the uh, bjbsjournal.com. Catch I've the, said uh, time and again. Emptying the- out the sports junk drawer. 
column, the among other things. Drawer, the sports junk drawer column is the only thing that I've said time and again. It's the only thing that I read regularly. And I don't want to stain you with the tag of Boston media because you're decidedly not because you're talented and you're funny. But it's the only thing I make a point to read on a regular basis. And that includes texts from John. So I want to thank you both. Uh, thank you both for coming on here. Uh, Merry Christmas to all the all Merry Christmas to all the entitled towners. Um, enjoy the games this weekend, and thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you soon. Turn off thank your radios. You. Indeed. All right, done. We're done, gentlemen. All right. That was that was a lot of fun. That was that was great. That. Uh, I think we could have had, you know, a few more, you know, 15 seconds of dead air to, you know, honor uh, Coach Phil, but we didn't do too bad at that. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to upload this uh, to the uh, Google Drive, and hopefully Dave will um, stop daving and upload this. Uh, John and John, uh, thank you both. I'll be in touch. Merry Christmas. And oh, this was this was my last thing bit of responsibility for the next uh, you know ninety six hours. So this was <laughs> nice. This is, this is a good this is a good way to go out on you know I'm I'm leaving on top. All right, gentlemen, I'll be in touch. Have a good evening. Yeah, All right. you too. Yeah. Thanks, Catch man. Later. Have a good Bye -bye. night.